This podcast is brought to you by Pop Spotting, a new show coming this summer covering everything else. Movies, music, television, books, plus interviews, trivia contests, and much more. Learn more at popspotting.net. The Transmission, episode 96, May 16th, 2010. I don't want to protect this place. Someone has to. I don't care. My time is over. Why? Why is your time over? It has to be you, Jacob. No, it doesn't. You wanted it to be him. Aloha from the Island Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And I'm Ryan. And boy, we've had a crazy week. We had to turn our house inside out for some painting. We decided at the last minute to do a special Lost finale tour next Sunday out at Kualoa Ranch. So today was our site visit, although it was pretty awesome. It was great. And of course, there was this new episode of Lost that we're still trying to wrap our brains around. Up next, we'll try to recap Across the Sea in under eight minutes. Then we'll dive in and share our take on this polarizing episode. We'll hear some great listener feedback and you all, everybody. You'll hear the latest track from the Others Lost Band. And in the forward cabin, we'll share a brief teaser for next week's episode from a lucky listener who saw it at the Lost Live event in LA. Yeah, it's a spoiler light edition of the forward cabin. So you ready? Let's get lost. Across the Sea, the 15th episode of the final season of Lost, it was just one big giant flash way back. What happened? A dark-haired woman named Claudia surfaces in the aftermath of a shipwreck and washes ashore. She's very, very pregnant. She finds water at a stream and meets a mysterious woman that we'll call Mother, who offers to help her. Claudia says she wants to go find her people, but Mother says she will find them for her. Suddenly, Claudia goes into labor and delivers a light-haired baby boy. She says his name is Jacob. But it turns out that she's having twins and a dark-haired boy is born next. Claudia says she only picked one name. She asks to see him, but Mother says, I'm sorry, and bashes her head in with a rock. Years later, the boy in black finds a box washed up on the shore. It's a game with white and black stones. Jacob asks to play, and the boy in black tells him not to tell Mother. Of course, Jacob ends up telling her. Mother goes to the boy in black, who knows that Jacob told on him. Mother says Jacob doesn't know how to lie. He's not like you. She says she left the game for him to find. He says he thought it came from across the sea, but she says the island is all there is. He asks where they came from, and she says they came from her, and she came from her mother, but her mother is dead. He asks what dead is, and she says he'll never have to worry about that. Later, the man in black and Jacob are hunting a boar, but it gets hit by someone else's spear. The boys hide and see three men take it away. They run back and tell Mother. Mother says that the people don't belong on the island, but that the boys are there for a reason. It's just not time yet. She tells the boys to come with her and blindfolds them. Mother says she knew about the people, but didn't tell the boys because they're dangerous. They come, they fight, they destroy, corrupt, and it always ends the same. The boys ask where they came from, and she says from another part of the island. She tells them not to look for them or they'll get hurt, as that is what people do. The boys ask if they can hurt each other, but Mother says that she's made it so that they cannot. They reach a stream and she removes the blindfolds, showing them a cave that's glowing with golden light. She says it's the warmest, brightest light you've ever seen or felt, and it's the reason that they're there. 
They have to be sure that no one ever finds it. She says a little bit of this light is inside every man, but they always want more. And if they try, they can put it out. And if the light goes out there, it goes out everywhere. So she says she has protected this place, but she can't protect it forever. The boy in black asks who will, and mother says it'll have to be one of you. Later, the boys are playing the game, and Jacob makes a move that the boy in black says is against the rules. He tells Jacob that one day, Jacob can make up his own game, and everyone will have to follow his rules. Suddenly, the boy in black sees a vision of Claudia, their mother. Jacob can't see her. The boy in black follows her. He asks her why Jacob can't see her, and she says it's because she's dead. She shows him the people's village and says they came from across the sea, and she tells him that he came from across the sea, too. He says that that's not what his mother told him, and Claudia says, she's not your mother, I am. That night, the boy in black leads Jacob away and says mother doesn't love them and lie to them about everything. Jacob attacks him and mother finds them. The boy in black says he's going home and asks Jacob to come with him. Jacob says no. Mother tells the boy in black he won't be able to leave the island, but he says that one day he will and he can prove it. The next day, mother admits to Jacob that she killed Claudia because she couldn't let him become one of them. She says she needed him to stay good. He asks if he's good, and she says yes. Then he asks why she loves the boy in black more, but she says, I love you in different ways. She asks Jacob to stay with her, and Jacob says yes. Years later, Jacob visits the man in black. Jacob says he's been watching the village to see if mother was right about the being bad. The man in black says he's lived among them for 30 years and they're greedy, manipulative, untrustworthy and selfish. But there are means to an end and he's found a way off the island. He throws a dagger that turns and sticks to the side of a well. He says they've discovered places where metal behaves strangely and when they dug, they found something. He asks Jacob to come with him but Jacob says he doesn't want to leave as it's his home. The man in black says, well, it's not mine. Jacob returns to mother and says the man in black found a way to leave the island. Mother visits him at the well and sees the donkey wheel. He says he spent 30 years looking for the light before realizing he could reach it another way. He says his people have some very interesting ideas on what to do with it. He says they're going to build a system that channels water and light, and when he turns the wheel, he'll finally be able to leave this place. She asks him not to do it, but he says he has to go, as he doesn't belong here. He hugs her and says goodbye, and she says, I am so sorry. She then throws him against the wall and knocks him out. Mother brings Jacob back to the glowing cave and says he's going to protect it now. But she tells him to never go down there as it would be worse than dying. She pours some wine, recites some Latin, and tells him to drink up. With it, he will accept the responsibility to protect this place for as long as he can until they find his replacement. He says he doesn't want to, but she says her time is over and it has to be him. Jacob says she wanted the man in black. She says she now sees it was always supposed to be Jacob, and he'll see that someday too, but for now, he doesn't really have a choice. He takes the cup and drinks it. She says, now you and I are the same. The man in black wakes up to find his well filled in and his village destroyed. He goes to the cave and stabs mother. Jacob finds him and attacks him, grabbing him and dragging him to the glowing cave. Jacob knocks him out and lets him float into the light. Suddenly, the ground shakes and the smoke monster erupts out of the cave. Jacob finds the man in black's body and carries it back to the cave. He lays him next to his mother and places the black and white stones with them. We flash back to where Jack, Kate, and Locke find the skeletons in the cave in season one. Then, back to Jacob grieving, he says... Goodbye, brother. And And thud. thud. And that was Across the Sea, the 15th episode of the sixth season of Lost in under eight minutes. And when we come back, we'll share our thoughts on this episode.
here in the final, final hours of Lost, Across the Sea rips us out of our regular narrative to give us a backstory, a way, way backstory to understand the origins of Jacob and the Man in Black. Certainly, we've come to understand they are important. They're the players in which our characters are the pawns, but we did not this week see those characters in order to give us this story, and it was certainly a daring move by the creators of Lost. I got to ask you, do you think it paid off? It didn't pay off the way Abby Turno paid off. Mm. Abby Turno was a big risk also. I mean, barely any English spoken in the whole episode. Um, the secondary story, character. Secondary characters. It went so far back. I mean, I think it was an, an amazing episode. This was a huge risk also, but I have to say it fell Way flat for me. Well, you know, I, I, I have to, I, like, I like, I want to give them cre- credit for making the move. I mean, we talk about how we want Lost to defy our expectations. We want them to take risks. Well, good golly, that's what they gave us. I mean, what else can we ask for? A show that confounds us sometimes. I think that's going to be part of it. But I hear what you're saying in terms of, you know, it was clear that there was a great deal of ambition in this episode, what they wanted to accomplish. I just agree that I think they might have fallen short of it. So are we to basically conclude that you hated this episode? I did it first, but. I've come to accept it. I've come to see it as not so much a story, but as a parable. It's it's illustrating to us what we've suspected all along, that everything that's gone on on the island is part of a big cycle. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's probably more than a parable. We've, we've now found that all of Lost has been the search for the replacement for Jacob. What they decided to show us is how Jacob got the job, how this rivalry with the man in black, the smoke monster, came about. And I think there is a lot to talk about in that sense, and I think we will. But in terms of this episode overall, I mean, I share sort of that initial hesitation. Our blog post is going to basically be a record of of that reaction. I think with every episode of Lost, well, upon further reflection or further analysis, we can find more to enjoy or talk about. But you got to admit, it, it for one thing, this episode seemed to really break the momentum, the momentum we were just so excited about last week. It just brought everything to a screeching halt. There was The stakes were so high. People died. Things blew up. You know, and the future of the rest of the characters was so uncertain and I really felt like the whole thing hit a wall with this episode. Yeah, I mean, at the end of last week's episode, you're thinking to yourself, all right, here we go. And then now it's like, well, no, wait. First, a story. So I think that was part of the challenge and the fact that this episode used characters, actors, in fact, that we aren't familiar with added to that challenge. I mean, half of the episode was put on the shoulders on a couple of child actors, for one thing. And I'm sure they they did their best, but this is lost, and that's a lot. That's a heavy load to carry. So for me, I didn't feel like the episode even really began until we got back to the adult versions of Jacob and the Man in Black. Right, Titus Wallover and Mark Pellegrino. Yeah, I mean, I liked seeing them again. I thought their chemistry was pretty good. And then Allison Janney. Now, I'm a, you and I are both huge fans of Allison Janney. She's awesome. And you know what? I think she did remarkably well considering the material she was given. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we, we did almost somersaults when we heard that she was cast. And I will say that I'm glad they picked her in a sense that the lines that she had to deliver, I mean, you kind of said it, but to me at least they were very melodramatic. They were very bigger than life. Mm-hmm. For somebody, a, a lightweight actress to have to say that, it would have sounded even more silly if it was somebody we didn't know, some untried actress, if it was uh, Kira uh, Knightley. Knightley or Cameron Diaz or something, it, 
I, you needed somebody with some gravity. You needed someone to add some weight. So right. I can see why Alice and Janney might have been a choice there. But now it's sort of also sort of the uh, the Cheech Marin effect. It's mm-hmm. the, it's distracting to the sense that we know this actress or actor as somebody else. So we kind of come into the episode thinking about that instead. I'm thinking, right. what's up with CJ's hair? Rather than, you know, <laughs> how is this mysterious person, you know, where did she come from before, you know, she had to look for another candidate and things like that. The, well, going back to the thing about momentum, it just seemed very oddly placed to me, this episode. We met the man in black and Jacob at the end of last season. Well, I think the perfect place for them to have reappeared was maybe during the premiere. Or at least earlier in the season. Yeah. Or, uh, and, or not after an episode where it seemed we had finally hit our stride and we were really barreling toward that close. So out of the gate, this episode had a great deal going against it. And, you know, not necessarily knocking it in itself. It's just for a variety of structural reasons, it might have been problematic. To me, I mean, my initial reaction was was poor and I required the extensive feedback, the input of the over 600 comments on our blog, many people feeling the same way, but many people Mm -hmm. trying to turn the tide and trying to find something really to talk about that kind of made me rethink not just this episode, but maybe uh, give me a step back for my watching of Lost. Because, you know, last week, I felt that I learned that as compelling and interesting the exploration of the Flash sideways are, I mean, as as great as it'll be to see that Flash sideways tied into the main storyline, it was the main storyline that I've been in all along. Mm-hmm. That was the one that's got its hooks in me and the one that made me cry. So that's what matters. So this episode, one, did not have that. And two, this episode did what I thought I wanted, which is we're going to draw the out, outside boundaries of of this world we're in. We're going to give you the context of the game in which our characters have always been upon. And I would think on the surface of it, great, give me that. But now that I've seen the game board, I'm thinking, I don't want to look at the lines on the board anymore. I just sort of want to watch our characters play their story out. Maybe I did not need to get much more than, as you said, maybe Ab Turno was about as far back as I needed to go to sort of presume the context in which all of these these things are happening. And I just wanted to stay with that story. So. Right. You know, expectations plays a big part of that, and that's all in, you know, that's all me. That's not the writers and creators of Lost. I liked and hated the line that Mother delivers in this episode that was pointed straight at us when she says that answers only lead to more questions. I I, I took that so personally, and it hurt, <laughs> and I was angry. That line just stirred up so many emotions in me because... That's what this show has been, questions and answers. Or that's what it's been for a lot of people, including us to some extent, but it was also true. It was so painfully true. I mean, we've got kids. We know that they're especially talented in coming up with a sequence of questions that will never end. It's as simple as, why did you turn left instead of right? Next thing you know, you're explaining the color of the sky. Then you're down to hydrogen and oxygen and light refraction, yeah. and it just keeps on going from there. And at a certain point, it has to stop. At a certain point, it's going to be just because, whether you're going to keep going all the way back. I mean, what are you, what's going to make you happy? The Big Bang, God, or Damon and Carlton? I mean, at a certain point, you just have to start enjoying the picture, the painting. You're going to have to start looking at the forest and not focusing on all of the trees. And maybe you can just use your imagination once in a while. Well, I mean, I think that's a big part of it because we do. And I think that one of the things that we set ourselves up for is we use, we come up with some fantastic and incredible theories and we're being confounded in the sense that, oh, well, what we thought is not what the creators came up with themselves. Right. This is the 
their show and their story, and we really should focus on accepting it or addressing it on that level at, in those terms. I am certainly glad, for example, that Shakespeare did not have a blogosphere to, con- to contend <laughs> with. Well, though, despite the fact that we might have imagined other things, certainly this episode did try to give us some basic mm-hmm. things, I think. For one thing, we learned that they're brothers. Aha. Right. I thought that was pretty good. I mean, we had that conversation with our friend Sophie. She has that actual dagger in her collection with right. Romulus and Remus in it, and they were brothers, and so we see that kind of was foreshadowing this. And a lot of people saw kind of a biblical well, connection with this. Some people see Cain and Abel. Some mm-hmm. people see Jacob and Esau from the Bible. Right, right. There's you know a history of sibling rivalry throughout literature and throughout the Bible. So I think that was a reasonably interesting reveal. Um, we saw now the source, the great glowing mm-hmm. cave that uh, is the energy that everybody wants here on the island. What do you think about that? It really reminded me of the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. And <laughs> yes. I can't tell if that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, basically, and Pulp Fiction is one of her favorite movies, but mm-hmm. it's a big shaggy dog story. And I really would not like Lost to go there. I want it to, to have some kind of meaning at the end. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. If it is one big shaggy dog story, that would be uh, probably disappointing to some extent. But it has been a heck of a ride. I, I'm kind of mixed on that that whole that whole sequence to me was just a little uh, Lucky Charms commercial for me. I mean, it was just not quite played uh, as as well as I would have hoped. But I think the concept is clear. I mean, they're saying, okay, whether we're talking about electromagnetism in a scientific sense or just an amazing power that we don't understand in an ancient people sense, that's what we've got here. It is the essence of life. It is some kind of energy that people always want to exploit. It can lead to the destruction of the people who seek it. And we need to understand that its destruction could mean the destruction of the entire world. So, okay, they're setting up the stakes. I might take some issue with the set design or the effects or lighting or something or the dialogue, but at least I'm beginning to at least I understand where where they're going. And I do think that that's central and vital to the story that they're going to be telling going forward. I find myself after this episode feeling sympathy or empathy toward the man in black. Absolutely. But absolutely. after last week, I don't want that. <laughs> you wanted they, it clear, clean they, cut. They showed us in very specific terms, the man in black is a bad mofo. <laughs> he will hurt you. And now we feel bad for him. He's, he's, he's not a sympathetic had, character. He's not had an easy go with things. Nope, nope. And, and Jacob comes off as, I don't know, a little goofy. He's a, he's a mama's boy, always trying to please her. He's, he's a little simple. He's a, yeah, so, I mean, they did kind of turn all of that on its head. Although, to me, I like that in the sense that we went straight from black and white, this guy's bad, everybody else is good, and he's the person we're fighting against, to, okay, turns out he's got sort of, he's got sort of an explanation for the way he is as well. I mean, it's sort of like the Roman God model. Uh, God is not infallible. They're just as you know prone to weaknesses and jealousies and, and, and faults like we do. And I, I thought that that was certainly an interesting twist. It certainly wasn't what I was expecting after last week, but I can see what the writers might be going for. I mean, they're moving us back into shades of gray where nothing is clear, that mm-hmm. things are always going to be ambiguous. But I wasn't ready for that. You know, okay, I was ready to accept... Jin was actually okay. I was ready to accept that Sawyer could change, but they showed the man in black in such stark detail. You know, this is a guy you don't want to mess around with. And I'm not ready to accept that maybe there's a reason 
for the man in black to be the way he is. Right. And because after you see this, you're like, well, gosh, he really wants to go home. Why can't he go home? <laughs> can you explain to me again, please, why it's bad if he actually gets to go home? I can certainly see what you're saying. As far as reveals go, though, I guess this episode did have a big one, capital, but in quotes, big uh, reveal. And that was who were the skeletons discovered in the cave way back in season one? And uh, how'd that work for you? I'm not happy with that <laughs> for a number of reasons. I mean, I feel like if they hadn't told us, it would have been better than that. Uh, I'm not sure if that's necessarily true. It's basically been set up as a, a big mystery on the show, not one of the little things, but one that they have said. And this comes from outside the show, what's not on the show necessarily. But the creators have always said that when you see this reveal, you'll have that aha moment and you'll believe that we've had this plotted out from the beginning. Well, well I don't. Yeah, because the characters that were in the cave, we only met, like you said, at the end of season five. So if these characters didn't exist in their minds until the end of season five, or maybe as early as maybe Jacob being introduced still it doesn't give me that confidence that they knew it was going to be them i do like that both of the people buried in the cave don't have names you know um, mm -hmm. we never learned mother's name and we never learned the man in black's name so it's kind of cool that the answer to who are the skeletons is two people who never had names but apart from that I, i'm not sure if the cleverness really worked i mean uh, if we've fell way short for me. <laughs> We've talked about how it could be Rose and Bernard. I mean, it seemed like a cliche choice. It seemed like a, an obvious choice, and maybe they didn't want to go that way, but I thought that could have worked. I mean, It, it could have been Sun and Jin Claire with and time travel. Teenage Aaron. It, <laughs> you know? I mean... You can apply anybody to right, this. Right, right. And, and, but this might, again, be our imaginations running much faster than, you know, basically the, const, the construct and the conceit of the original show. But that was the big reveal. And in case we didn't realize it was significant, they had to insert those scenes from the season one episode to see Jack, Kate, and Locke discovering the skeletons. Yeah, they can't tell us. They have to show us. Right. It, it was just a little bit much. And they've done that a few times before. I can see why it might help uh, somebody who's not a, who's just a casual watcher to the episode but every time they've done it and definitely this time I'm thinking would you have really missed anything if you did not know why it was significant no, that two bodies have. were born with? buried like that so uh, just uh, I'll tell you what this episode a lot of people have compared it to expose and a lot of people did so because they hated expose and when that started happening that brought it home to me because there were people that loved this episode and we're going to hear from them later on and if it wasn't for them I wouldn't have taken that breath and started examining my own expectations my own thoughts about the episode giving it a, a second look and trying to understand and find more value in what was shown to us so like expose it was a daring move by the creators to kind of push outside of the boundaries we were all comfortable with. Some people think it really worked. Some people think it failed miserably. This might be one of those uh, things that only time will tell if it was a stroke of genius or some weird aberration. This could be the next expose in terms of loss. Well, I know people who have completely changed their minds about you expose. Have. I have. I turned you around. So, you did. So this, that might happen. And, and, and I love that about Lost. I mean, we've been rough on episodes in the past. We've taken a lot of grief for being honest with our feelings. But on the on the other hand, a lot of these episodes, uh, when we take and spend more time with it, we can find a lot to like about it, or at least a lot to talk about. So 
let's do that. I mean, uh, all that being said, there were little things, many little things in this episode that uh, caught my eye that were worthy of mention. Well, one thing that I found curious was considering all the really daring and innovative things they've done with language and subtitles and and sets and all of that. I found the whole switch between Latin and English very curious. You know, they it's just like in the movie The Hunt for Red October. Exactly. She's speaking Latin. And then they switched to English. In fact, the script, according to uh, Geronimo Jack Spear, the podcast Uh with Jorge Garcia, that's what it actually said in the script. We do the Hunt for Red October switch. But it's interesting that they've done it, considering that they hadn't shied away from using a foreign language before. And what that got doubly interesting later when uh, Mother is doing the incantation with the cup of wine, Mm -hmm. and she switches back to Latin. And I'm thinking, so wait, so now were they actually speaking English at that point, and then she switches to Latin or something that Jacob doesn't understand? What are they basically saying by going back to latin for just that scene so certainly that i mean that was definitely an interesting choice in terms of uh, little oddities i was i'm always fascinated in hollywood how baby births go <laughs> yeah. i mean they're th- 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 incredibly <laughs> fast birth very clean bright shiny babies right out and of the they're room, always though. very big yes they're enormous babies but uh, I, I thought it, it was definitely shocking when mother basically clobbers the claudia you know uh-huh. you get when she pulls the babies out and she's looking at them and her eyes are full of both wonder and and, well, dementia of some kind, you know <laughs> that things are not going to end well. You know that uh, it's curtains pretty much for Claudia at that point. Do you realize that CJ's first name was Claudia? On the West Wing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a nice <laughs> little thing there. Now, of course, the other reveal in that scene was that turns out the mom did not have a backup name for her baby. So because she only had Jacob, we just don't get a name for the man in black. We still... And we still don't have a name for the man in black. Do you think we're ever going to get a name for the man in black? No, I, I, I don't. Because I think it's more interesting if we debate amongst ourselves what his name is. Right. I mean, again, this might be this might be something that the answer will be more frustrating than really trying to just sort of puzzle it out or conjecture. Um, I think that because they went that far to have an actual line of dialogue that's so ludicrous to me, I only thought of one name, that it's that's it. They cannot possibly re- redeem that apart from just continuing to leave it, you know, unknown and maybe that's kind of significant because of who the man in black is what he embodies on the island it might make more sense that uh, he's nameless and it figures that's why he's so angry he didn't he grew up without a name well that's one of many reasons why (laughs) he's angry but yes being called hey you all the time probably would be upsetting (laughs) as well Um, but I kind of did like how all that played out I mean obviously mother's been on the island for a while she says she's very tired she's been Mm -hmm. looking for her replacement there have been people coming to the island but they're all bad they're these rotten rotten people so who else would what would be the perfect scenario for her to find a replacement why a pregnant woman washing on shore with babies babies supposedly are completely pure so if she can raise them it really kind of seemed like uh, a, a parenting experiment the way that she was treating them you know they're like what's dead what's a ship i mean they're so naive about the universe well i think she was really raising them in a bubble to make sure that they retain that goodness to ensure that they stay good people. And they didn't. I mean, that's the that's the best part, that even Jacob, who was the mama's boy, always trying to please, did not, you know, go against his mother. He's the one that jumps on and pummels the man in black. You know, right. He's the one who causes pain, who draws blood first between the two of them. At least that's the sense that I got. And what I also saw, thought was interesting is that, yes, it's basically clear the man in black was mother's favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says early on, you're never going to have to worry about death because you're going to be my replacement. Or uh, mm-hmm. when Jacob says, why do you love him more than me? She gives gives that awful weasel answer that every pa- bad parent knows which I is I 
love you differently. Exactly, which is just a way to get around that. So, okay, she likes the man in black better, but she also says, you know, um, Jacob doesn't know how to lie. He's not like you. And so he says, what, what am I like? And she says, you're special. Right. So we've had that word in Lost, you know, you're special, he's mm-hmm. special, I've been told I'm special. In this particular case, Mother seems to be implying that the special people have the capacity to lie, to deceive, to well, be dark and bad. Pretty much anybody who crashed on 815 is special. Well, certainly, but I, I just thought it was fascinating that her preferred son was at least um, on a surface level the darker son, really, rather than the dutiful son, uh, the, the firstborn son even. You know, Jacob right. was born first, and I think that's really where the Cain and Abel kind of comparisons come from Mm -hmm. Jacob was first born he tried to do right he was always really trying to to gain approval but instead still it was the younger son that got all of the attention so do we know the origins of the rules now I mean is everything being played according to Jacob's whims? Yeah. Is, is he just making it up as he goes along? Yeah, you know, I thought that was also interesting. I mean, we've, we're trying to suss out some of the rules. You can't kill a candidate, maybe, you know, things like that. But where do they come from? I'm thinking that there was a there was a game master, and now it seems like that all of Lost that we've seen, you know, through the six seasons is Jacob's game. It's the rules that Jacob came up with that the man in black is agreeing to play by because that's what he said, that one of these days you can come up with your own game and everyone will have to follow your rules. So maybe it's just as arbitrary as that, that the rules that have been referred to all the way up until this point is just basically a construct in Jacob's mind. And that's as far as it's going to get. I, I don't know that that's so, kind of wild. Widmore and Ben were playing the same game exactly. according to Jacob's rules. Yeah, He broke the rules. Uh, that, I, I don't know how that works. I mean, of course, now it seems that Widmore has some uh, connection to the, the uh, Jacob and knows who the candidates are. So he might be aware of the rules. Maybe there's a game book that got delivered. I'm not sure. But that's that was there's certainly a prop I want. But that certainly was an interesting line. It seemed like a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. But n- now I'm thinking that is pretty much all we're going to get as far as the original of the rules. Mother tells the man in black that Jacob can't see Claudia because Claudia is dead. I mean, that to me means that the man in black specifically can see dead people and it just made me realize who else can see dead people. Right, I mean, we've had visions, we've had the smoke monster taking physical forms that everybody can see, but uh, when you have these issues where one person can see it and one person can't, I find that fascinating. So yeah, they're saying that... I mean, that's Hurley right there. Hurley can see dead people he can see Jacob's cabin right when nobody else can but what what boggles me is that you've got also when uh, the little boy has been running around you know mm-hmm. haunting the man in black so now we know yes that was Jacob haunting the man in black basically mm-hmm. reminding him presumably of the game and the rules but not everybody saw him and Sawyer did Sawyer saw that's true little Jacob so I forgot what about are they that. saying you know Richard couldn't see the little boy but Sawyer did and maybe yeah. it's a matter of being a candidate you know uh, Richard was never a candidate even though he was special to Jacob Mm -hmm. whereas Sawyer was but I think we've also seen a circumstance where a candidate did not see either a dead person or or the little boy Uh, I I might just have to work it out in a chart as far as who (laughs) who can see dead people or not but that was an interesting dividing line and it seemed like an interesting matter of fact statement why can't he see you well because I'm dead you know only you can see dead people so 
I thought that was fascinating. Another thing that I, I actually liked about this episode, I think I mentioned earlier, once we got away from the child act- actors, bless their little hearts, and we got back to Man in Black and Jacob as adults, I liked seeing them. I liked their chemistry again. You know, when they're sitting down and uh, he says, does does mom know, does mother know you visit me? Well, she doesn't actually ask about you. Well, I'm sorry I asked about her then. I mean, just sort of the, it, it seemed like a sibling rivalry yeah. conversation, um, the way that they, they kind of interacted. I liked seeing those two actors at work. Well, I enjoy Mark Pellegrino and Titus Welliver. I watch other shows that they've both been on and I've enjoyed them both immensely before. And I also really liked the season finale last year, but I found some of their scenes together not entirely believable. Hmm. It, it, I, I can't really blame it on them because I think they're both very good. It might be the direction. I'm not really sure. But like the, the scene where the man in black finds his village burnt and he um, he finds the game set. Mm-hmm. It just, it rung really hollow for me. Well, so maybe, well, I can see that actually, you know, the scene where um, Jacob throws the man in black into the river and he's basically yelling at him like, you know, she, now it's my turn to protect this place. You want to go back, brother? Well, go. Um, it, 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 it was a little, I agree that it was a little much too. And it might just be the dialogue. So I guess I can see what you're saying. Maybe we just like it when they're playing a mental chess game, but, you know, intense scenes might not necessarily be there for I, right. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Now, also in that scene, I liked the line where uh, Jacob says, you know, mother's not going to die. And uh, the man in black tells him, well, everything dies. Right. And that, that had several meanings to it because, one, we are of the understanding that mother was the previous caretaker of the island, had probably been there for a long, long time. Right. And had essentially been immortal. But that also it's the man in black who brings about the death that he foretells in that line. Well, so. I'm wondering if maybe Jacob and mother and whoever was in charge before mother maybe they're not immortal maybe their deaths have to take place under a very specific set of circumstances by the hand of somebody very specific oh absolutely and their death is foretold but nobody really knows who well i mean they they did a number of things that we've seen before one she was killed by the dagger the dagger that has been handed back and forth oh, right. as perhaps the only tool that can kill um, either of these characters also she was stabbed before she could speak which is something that has come up before right and also she was stabbed by a potential candidate she was stabbed by one of the people who was eligible for the role of succeeding her and she died only after the successor had been selected you know i do think she knew exactly what she was doing and what was going to happen because she says hmm there's a storm coming you know why don't you go and get some firewood Jacob and then she basically goes to meet her fate so I certainly think that that was what was going on there I found it very interesting that we find that the man in black is the one responsible for the frozen donkey wheel yeah well his people but I mean certainly he explains it he understood the basic mechanics of it you know I like sort of again that it was a attempt to scientifically exploit the powers of the island Mm -hmm. but the the man in black might have been an architect of it, and that makes it much more interesting watching what we've seen up until now. But he didn't get to finish the the frozen donkey wheel right. construction, so who who put the who put it in place to get it working like that? I don't know. He he uses the phrase "curious people," and that's something that we associate with Dharma because that's in their recruiting video. You know, curiosity, something, something, something. Right. So 
I, I believe it, it could be Dharma. Yeah, and I, I, I want to go back now and, and watch that episode. Uh, it was sort of that odd, odd scene out of place at the beginning of season four, four. I think, where yeah. Pierre Chang is excavating and they, he says to stop because they're getting close to this pocket of energy. And when he looks at the image through the wall, it's the frozen donkey wheel. So right. when they see it, then is it in position? Are we seeing it in its you know installed state? Or do they find it basically as the man in black left it, as we saw it this week, and they kind of finish putting it together i don't know that's kind of interesting well what i find curious is that the well that we see is very shallow maybe 10 feet deep and but we but we know that the orchid is very far below the surface of the earth i mean it's like a 10 minute elevator ride and it's cold down there right i thought that was really interesting you see mother standing at the bottom of the ladder and the sun's right there Mm -hmm. um but yes you know ben had to wear a parka after taking the elevator ride he had to break through the wall and climb down 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 some more to get to the to get to the donkey wheel so uh, i'm not sure though i'm hoping that it wasn't a continuity error i think what we're seeing is that you know at the point at the time that the man in black was trying to exploit the light he was close to the surface he was just sort of dabbling getting to understand the power by the time dharma was messing around with it by the time dharma was trying to harness that power they'd gotten much much closer they dug much much deeper and were probably dealing with a much more powerful version of that energy right and because so at that point when you turn the donkey wheel you don't just get teleported off the island you move the entire island Mm -hmm. so i think that's sort of what they were trying to tell us there that's definitely a good observation but unfortunately you know he does not get to finish his wheel and uh, the well gets filled in and the entire village is wiped out well that's kind of the original purge that's purge 1.0 i think what happened to the dharma initiative is they got even more close to that bright light that pocket of energy and that caused them to all die right I, I definitely like that in terms of seeing this cycle that's happening on the island curious people come they start messing around and as awful as it is to have to kill all of these people to basically kill innocent people it's uh, maybe what had to be done to prevent them from tapping in so yeah I kind of like that now the purge with uh, Ben and Richard Albert coming out and we're all having sort of these crisis of conscience as far as what does it mean that they were involved in killing all of those people at least Alpert was, but when we see it in the greater context of protecting the island, it they, fits. Yeah, they were protecting what they felt needed protecting. Right. So I thought that was a nice callback. But what what I was going to ask you about is, so the man in black gets knocked out. He's apparently carried up out of the well, laid next to the well, and then the well is completely filled in, and his village is, village is destroyed, and everybody is killed. And and mother does all that before man in black wakes up from being knocked out. Well, people do make a pretty good case that the that mother was a smoke monster exactly i mean the destruction of the village seemed very smoke monster-esque it seems just a little too much to think that uh that mother you know as we see her was responsible for all of that destruction you know she didn't exactly look like william wallace how, how could she take out an entire village and not get a single scratch on her well maybe they were all geeky scientists like doughboy <laughs> like pugsley that maybe that was it i don't know they looked like a pretty rough and tumble group so yeah like you said i think you know her being a, a smoke monster monster herself certainly a good theory and one that uh, we'll get a little more of in you all everybody the speaking of that though basically the last big development in this episode was the creation of the smoke monster at least the smoke monster the one that we've been dealing with up until now Mm -hmm. and that that was it was created by jacob basically throwing his brother into the source into the light i thought it was kind of neat how uh man in black protests and says you can't kill me and jacob says i'm not going to kill you sort of like you know he found a loophole 
hole. His his, his oh, mother right. says that this is this is worse than death, but it's not death. So he thinks, okay, here's a way to get at my brother, but not actually kill him. Although I do think he did kill him, at least in the sense that his body comes out the other side, and uh-huh. all that's left is this this massive smoke monster. So, well, I find I, it interesting that he says to the men in black, "Do you want to leave this place, brother?" <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. He's sort of like the first brother. You know, we've uh-huh. got had Desmond and his brothers, and that was explained by the monastery. And so here we have another brother who's actually a brother. So that that is kind of cool. I did like that as well. So the man in black becomes the smoke monster. At least that's what I think they're showing us. What I find fascinating, of course, is that the smoke monster still takes the man in black's form, you know, still takes Titus Welliver's physical body. Mm-hmm. We They have that conversation on the beach um, at the end of season five. We know that Albert had a conversation with him you know looking the way that he did that's how he goes you you know it's you later oh, right. on he recognizes him so um I, th- I i like that in the sense that we know that um the man in black's body was separate was in the cave next to mother mm-hmm. but he you know the man but the smoke monster takes his form the same way that he took Locke's form concurrently with Locke's body being there and lying in the sand you know right. so it's not the same as inhabiting or taking over somebody's body but um just taking their form once they're dead so i mean i thought that was that was kind of neat as well uh any other food for thought out of across the sea i was so sure last week after last week that the man in black was evil and that we were you know we were beating ourselves up about how we could have ever doubted his motivations but now i really think that it could go the other way all the way the other way that maybe jacob is good and then or jacob is bad and not the all the way good. but it's definitely not as clear-cut as we previously thought well you know the case is there because you know we've heard that the smoke monster can function as or was functioning as a security system mm-hmm. as something protecting the island now it also judged people and found that when they were not worthy that it would kill them i mean the one explanation we have is that uh, they just weren't useful in his mission to get off the island but you could see it go the other way that you know he's basically saying you people are bad it's time for you to go mm-hmm. so you combine that with the fact that there's a, that he, he could be a security system for the island and the fact again that he was mother's first choice for his replacement so you got all of that going for him meanwhile you've got jacob who believes in the goodness of mankind but only because he watched them of afar he only saw them through his lighthouse you know he mm-hmm. never really got close to these humans and in his little game he keeps bringing people to the island I mean, which is exactly what mother didn't want yeah mother says I, they don't belong here they shouldn't be here so what the heck is Jacob doing bringing them here and causing all of this mayhem as they try to exploit the island Jacob is undermining what mother's mission was and so by on, on that basis you can, yeah you can kind of see maybe Jacob is is bad and the smoke monsters protecting the island is actually doing the right thing I don't know if that's what they're... I'm pretty sure that's not what they're doing, but it just shows how far that they have gone and how far we as fans maybe can go in terms of the ambiguity, in terms of the gray areas of this episode. So, you know, Across the Sea, an episode that we weren't necessarily crazy about, but we still found, you know, 20, 30 minutes of stuff to talk (laughs) about. So I guess that's still a good sign of a good episode of Lost. Those are our thoughts on it, though, and when we come back, we'll hear your thoughts and theories in You All, Everybody. Hey, Ryan and Jen, this is Justin from South Carolina. Just finished watching Across the Sea, and got to say that my eyes were glued to the TV the entire time. It was a great episode. I mean, wow. Hey, guys, this is Charles from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. First-time caller into the show, but I've been listening to you guys for a while, and you do a great, great job. 
Uh, I just got finished watching for the second time uh, tonight's episode Across the Sea. And I have to say, I was very disappointed in this episode, especially after how incredible last week's episode was. Hey guys, this is uh, Dez from Portland, Oregon. Uh, just watched the episode for the second time. And holy freaking crap. Awesome. Hi, Ryan and Dan. This is Michelle in New York. Um, well, I don't need to say holy freaking crap because you can just take out the first two and leave the crap. Because across the sea, um, much of it, it deeply, deeply pains me to say this was, in my opinion, crap. Hi, this is Anita from British Columbia. My first time caller, long time listener. Um, I have some thoughts. I've always wanted to call in, but tonight I felt it absolutely necessary. This is one of the best episodes I've ever seen of Lost. Really filled in some gaps without creating too many more questions. Answered so many questions. Hey guys, my name's Jeff. I'm from Canada. Uh, I guess this is about last night's episode, Across the Sea. I, I hated it. I thought, I thought it was probably my least favorite episode of the entire series. Take care and, uh, stay in there. Hang in there, I guess. I have faith. Uh, definitely have faith. Now, that's pretty much how it went this week on The Lost Line. Best episode ever. Worst episode ever. What the heck was that episode? I mean, <laughs> this was definitely one of the most hotly debated episodes of Lost among our listeners and definitely among the entire fan community. There were a lot of common threads in the comments we received. Um, Brian in Texas said, oh, well, I guess the journey is just going to be more interesting than the destination. Uh, similarly, Randy here in Hawaii compared it to The Wizard of Oz. He said mm-hmm. that, you know, in the end, we're kind of disappointed pointed to find out that the wizard is just a person but it was again more about the trip that we took together um jr from connecticut wanted to basically defend it by saying that the worst episode of lost is still better than pretty much anything else on television well whether you liked or hated across the sea i guess like every good episode of lost there was still a lot to talk about next up calls from painter girl eric and clifton hello this is painter girl one from indianapolis um, I've just been lurking on the forums for so many years and posting that I wanted to do at least one voicemail before the end, which is so soon. Um, I have a couple of things about this episode that I really liked. First, um, when um, Man in Black's crazy mother felt like she was talking directly to us when she said, you know, don't worry so much about the answers because all the answers just lead to more questions. Um, after seeing these characters in almost a superhuman light for so long that it's, it was really nice to see them um, tearful, emotional, um, experiencing the same things that we experience. We really haven't seen this, that side of Jacob and the Man in Black yet. I wonder if we'll ever know what his real name is. I also really liked the themes of, of dark and light, the rules, um, the others, the bore. Um, messed up families. It was just a really nice episode, and I can't wait to see how it leads us to the end. Thanks so much. Great podcast. Hi, uh, Jen and Ryan. This is Eric from Oakland calling about Across the Sea. Um, I felt mixed about the episode, but I thought there was some really good stuff in there, and the stuff that I thought was really good was seeing that um, Smokey is not maybe some sort of form of the consciousness of man in black. So maybe that light and energy source separates people from their their body and their consciousness, which is why it would allow for time travel. But if you go right into the middle of it, it it separates you like Smokey was separated. I thought it was interesting that there was a crazy woman on the island living alone. I mean, 
we could just say whether she's crazy, but it, it seems like there's always that figure. So it was her, it was Rousseau, it was now it's Claire. And I, uh, I really liked how, uh, both Jacob and his brother, neither were all good, neither were all bad. They were both complicated. And I really like that we're not getting all the answers. I'm hoping they don't answer everything by the end. That's what I love about Lost, the mystery. So I'm actually pleased that they didn't give us more clear answers. Thanks. Aloha. Hi, this is Clifton from Ohio. I just wanted to talk about Across the Sea because when I first saw it, I really didn't know what to think. Um, but now I've seen it a couple times and thought about it, and I actually really, really like the episode. I can understand why a lot of people didn't like it, but uh, I think we were given a ton of information. It just wasn't quite pieced together for us. But one thing I just wanted to say is that a lot of people are upset about the whole magical cave, but I don't really know why, because to me, I took it as this is the source of all the energy and the electromagnetism beneath the island, which we've known about for a long time. So what do you expect a woman from, I can't remember, um, I think 42 AD, or I, I don't remember the year it was supposed to be, but is she going to say, okay, this is electromagnetism? To her, it's going to be something more mystical and supernatural. So... It made sense to me, and after I thought about it, I really liked the episode, so I'm interested to see what you guys think now that it's been a while, so that's all. Mahalo for those calls. Well, Painter Girl 1, a frequent commenter on the blog, yeah, finally hear your calling voice. in, and uh, happy that uh, we got to see these characters in a new light, that they're not superhuman. Well, we were saying earlier about Greek and Roman gods, how they weren't even really gods, they were just people with... The same with, flaws. Yeah, and it's it's good to kind of see them in that light. Well, the man in black had said, you know, I was a man just like you. Well, it turns out they both were. They were mm-hmm. babies on the island and had the same experiences to some extent. Eric from Oakland, I like what he's saying, that, you know, the basically pointing out that getting close to this power is sort of separating consciousness from bodies. And, you know, at a weak level, that's what happened to Desmond in Flashes Before Your Eyes. He was zapped, and so his brain could move around or his consciousness could move around through time. And that if you turn that all the way up, that's how you basically get a smoke monster. You've permanently made that separation. So I kind of like the continuum in the way that he's kind of put it there. And Clifton says that, of course, a woman in ancient history is going to think that electromagnetism is a great amount of magic. You know, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, but really we're still talking about what Dharma has been after. The problem with that is how do you go from saying that to saying, well, there's a little electromagnetism inside everybody. True, true. And uh, if uh, if the electromagnetism that magnetism goes out, it goes out everywhere. And, you know, how is that a bad thing? I mean, no, I think that there were still statements about the, the, the deeper nature of mankind and our souls or something there. And it's not, it wasn't entirely just electromagnetism, but a, a fair point. Next up, calls from John, Danny, and another John. Aloha, Ryan and Jen. It's John Fisher from outside of Philadelphia. My initial reaction to the show was visceral. I hated it. Waste of time. No answers. More questions. I woke up Wednesday morning still bitter over this episode. Then I read the blog and other people's observations and conclusions. I rewatched the episode and started with some of my own thoughts together. Guess what? I find now that the episode was not bad at all. It did explain a lot of things. It really made me very sympathetic to the man in black and what he has done and is doing. He was super screwed by his not-actual mother and his brother. Every human he's ever met has shown him to be bad, evil, deceptive, manipulative. No wonder he's so bad himself. My major theory on rewatching this is that Mother was actually a smoke monster herself. She had gone into the light, and that's how she knew what effect it had. 
and who but a smoke monster could fill in the well and kill all of those others? It seems that when a human enters the light, he or she loses the he or she loses their humanity and becomes a hybrid of smoke monster slash most prevalent characteristics of the human involved. I have to wonder if we'll ever see one or more of our losties under the light become a smoke monster and go monster to monster with a man in black, but uh, maybe that's a stretch. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. Hello, Ryan and Jen. This is Danny from the Midwest. I absolutely loved Across the Sea, one of the quickest hours in television, in my opinion. Uh, I was very distracted by the placement of Adam and Eve and the discrepancy between um, where Man in Black placed his mother and brother compared to where they found them in the caves in season one. I hope that's explained in some way. Um, but I am on my way to work, and I just had a, a kind of a revelation, a theory, that as the season progresses, um, the John Locke from the Sideways Flash will take over his body back on the island. I don't think that's a new theory, but in doing that, I think he will go into the heart of the island, the eye of the island, and he will um, make bring balance to the force, so to speak. He will be led to the spot where the light was, and as the smoke monster, um, but with the mind of Locke, he will re-enter that cave and bring balance to the island, and uh, no longer will the island serve as a cork. And uh, that's my theory. Let me know what you think. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Bye. Ryan and Jen, what's up? John from North Carolina. Wow, guys. It was crazy. I think uh, tonight was the most fantastical episode, meaning I, I don't think I've ever gone that far out the box, like, as far as fantasy, if you know what I'm saying. But um, it was weird. As soon as I walked up on that glowing thing, I was just like... Wow. I mean, it was crazy. One thing, though, if MIB's body is, like, still dead, but Smoke Monster just has his soul, does that mean Christians and Locks and, you know, everybody else's soul is still intact with the monster? So I threw throw that out there. And, uh, I can't wait to listen to the podcast, and I will talk to you all later. Thanks very much for those calls. Well, John Fisher definitely started off hating the episode, but eventually the tide turned. And I think, you know, he credits the conversation on the blog. I certainly have to, too. I mean, it was a spirited debate, but over time, it became a very constructive conversation. And Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot more to say than we thought there was. But I like how he says that, you know, the smoke monster still retains an essence of the man in black. It is still acting as a brother to Jacob. I mean, that's kind of a nice touch. I'm not really ready for a smoke monster versus smoke monster showdown. would be a little to be movie for yeah, me. That's a I Godzilla think. movie there. Yeah. But that's an interesting thought. Now Danny uh liked the episode right out, kind of had a problem with the placement of the skeletons next to each other. Mm-hmm. But we had that objection earlier this season when when you know Hurley and Jack returned to the cave. So now their placement is consistent at least within season five, just not with season one. Mm-hmm. In any case I kind of liked his thought that uh the that Locke will kind of get his essence back as we just discussed. His essence returns now to what is the smoke monster and because 
because Locke being who he is, when he if he returns to the light and jumps into it, he kind of negates, becomes the anti-current smoke monster, and that's how the whole show ends up. I think that's an interesting way to, to conceive it. That's very confusing, but it's, sure. <laughs> I'll take that. And John from North Carolina just basically blown away, but a very fair question that I liked is, as we've just discussed, if um, the smoke monster still has the man in black soul, uh, does and it still seems to have Locke in there now, does that mean Christian's in there now? Does that mean that the smoke monster continues to be a massive amalgamation of all the characters that it has uh, basically uh, taken the form and of? And it can just keep absorbing throughout all eternity? I guess. Um, it, it's an interesting thought. Jared uh, Glenn from the Power Stories called in and said that he thought that if um, you know Locke continues to surface and become more prevalent in uh, the smoke monster, in the character, in Unlock that's running around, that the way Lost might end is that Jack will somehow exploit a characteristic of Locke to beat the smoke monster. So, I mean, huh. again, uh, this whole thing about what the, the, the people still coming through is certainly an interesting thought. Next up, calls from Kyle, Jonathan, and JT. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Kyle calling from Spain. Um, I just wanted to, uh, to tell you guys about this amazing coincidence that happened this week. So, um, I'm studying math abroad over here. And in my math history class, we were studying ancient Egyptian. And uh, we just talked about, last week, a uh, an ancient board game that they used to play. It's probably the oldest board game in the world. And it was called Sinet. And um, it already piqued my interest because it has symbols on there that we've seen in Lost, like the Ankh and uh, the, the bird thing that's on the uh, countdown clock in the hatch. And um, and then on this episode, uh, the game that they're playing was that game called Sinet, and uh, it's it's interesting. It's a uh, no one really knows how it was played, but it seems to have uh, significance to their afterlife. And a lot of people uh, chose to be buried with that board game, so uh, just thought that was interesting. I uh, wanted to share that with you. Uh, thanks for the podcast. Gracias y buena suerte. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is uh, Jonathan in Pleasanton. I noticed one thing that I saw a lot of mirroring going on, and that's actually um, as far as the protector of the island. Um, we saw how Jacob's mother was uh, you know, waiting for someone to replace her, and that ended up being Jacob. And he was going to have to find a replacement to protect the island as well. And we saw something like that back uh, during Season 2 with Desmond coming to the island and relieving um, the the other guy in the hatch, and he was also relieving uh, a previous person. So again, they're there protecting the island or the world by pushing the button, and so I think it's going to come down to Desmond again because here's Desmond relieving, and he ends up turning the key, destroying the hatch, and negating the need for a protector of the button, a pusher of the button. And so I think he's going to do something where he's going to, you know, he's going to cause it so that there's no longer a need to be a protector for the island. But, yeah, I think that's what we're, uh, I think that's what it's going to be leading up to here. So, anyways, that's what I thought. Uh, I'd like to hear some of the other theories out there. And uh, looking forward to the podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is JT in New York City. Um, I don't know. I think this was... uh I thought this was this was pretty good. I mean, I thought it was slow going as it as it started, and I thought you know slow going down. But I thought there was a lot of payoff actually. Um, I, I haven't heard or seen a lot of comments on 
Jacob, when he drank that, right before he drank it, you know, he got all whiny, and suddenly uh, Ben's voice bled through. And um, I know in the past, I think Locke's voice had bled through when Man in Black spoke. Um, this, I'm pretty sure that's what was going on there, and I think that makes me feel like Ben is going to have a bigger role in these last few um, episodes. And I think there was really... Um, even though conventional wisdom has Jack taking over the role for Jacob, I sort of think now Ben's going to be a major player in these last uh, in these last couple episodes. So I wonder what you think about that. Thanks. Bye. Mahalo for those calls. Well, great call from Kyle in terms of explaining what that game was. Yeah, it's not really backgammon, but it's good to know that that was a real game. Yeah, that it had a tie to the afterlife and that the hieroglyphs were there. I loved that. Jonathan and Pleasanton picking up on all the mirroring, and there certainly was a lot in this episode. There is all throughout Lost. When we first heard about the candidates, we discussed how it was like Desmond, you know, succeeding Kelvin, how Kelvin was waiting for his replacement. Right. But I like that he points out that Desmond blew up the hatch, thereby removing the requirement to have to have a replacement. So how is Desmond going to remove the requirement to have a successor to Jacob? Sink the island? That's true. Just make sure there is no island. Destroy the island. So uh, that might be, in fact, what we're on the path toward. And finally, JT, thinking that he heard Ben's voice when um, Jacob got all whiny in that scene. Well, I've I've heard people talk about dozens of instances of voice bleed through. Mm-hmm. The Vazic book covers a lot of that. Right. I'm not sure if that's what we heard in this scene. I went back and I think it just sort of, I, if anything, he was channeling Ben. I did see the similarity in terms of that. And, you know, in the scene where Ben basically stabs Jacob and he says, what about me? And uh-huh. if anything, what would have made it great that scene, that showdown between um, Jacob and the man in black where they're fighting is for some line to have basically been thrown back. What about you? You know, I think that would have been kind of That awesome. would have been great. Yeah. Who's up next? Finally, Mattia, Flav and Ariel. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Mattia from BC, Canada. Um, I kind of have a theory. Uh, It's been floating around for a while that um, people are thinking that Kate was originally a candidate, though we don't know if it was her mother or whatnot, and has been crossed out, as we've been told in a couple episodes back. Um, I think that the reason that she was crossed out is because she did raise Aaron instead of... um, Claire, and I think that we got proof of that last night in Across the Sea. Um, Jacob and Man in Black were raised by another, and now Aaron was raised by another. So I think that they crossed her out because of that act, and I think it was finally proof of that. Um, Also, I was wondering what you thought of um, the temple being where that glowing water is. Thank you so much for the podcast. You guys are great. Bye. Hey, Ryan, Jen. It's Flav from Chicago. And while I'm pretty speechless about this episode, I have no idea what to think now. But I do have an interesting thought. Do you guys think that the light is the same bright light that John Locke saw in Season 1, that he said it was so beautiful? We'd love to see what you guys think about it. Thanks a lot, and mahalo. Hi, this is Arielle from New York. The best part of watching Lost every week is reading the transmission the next morning. Quick question. When we saw Jacob and the man in black on the beach uh, looking at the boat, was the man in black dead? Because now that we saw that he killed him. Although I think I remember him offering him some food, fish. So I don't know. I'm a little confused as to that. Where, what happened with that? That's all. 
Thanks for the blog. Bye. Thanks for those calls. Well, Matya says we now have an explanation for why Kate is not a candidate for, for replacing Jacob. Well, yeah, I, I guess if you're either Jacob or the man in black, you have a hang up about adoptive mothers. Or mothers who raise someone else's child. I, I, but interestingly, again, Kate was not crossed out um, in the lighthouse, just oh, in the cave. That's true. So maybe only the man in black has the serious hang up about cr- crazy moms or something like that. And about the temple being where the glowing water is, I guess that might make sense. We've already said that we think that the frozen donkey wheel that we saw in the well is essentially where the orchid turned up. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't this uh, magical place uh, be where the temple was essentially built? The only thing about that is that in terms of the geography, I thought these places were further apart and were supposed to believe that where this water and this this cave is was hard to find. Well, it took us a long time to actually get to the temple. I mean, they talked about it forever and they only found it, what, this season? True. I, I guess it was still a mystical place and uh, I guess they left it, but only after that power had gone out. Or I don't know. Interesting thought, though. Um, we have the question from Flav that the light that John Locke saw and described as beautiful must be this light. And yeah, I think that's what it was. Absolutely. The description of it sounds like the way that the light was described this week. Although, again, for John Locke to see that in the smoke monster, where basically everyone else sees scary smoke monster, I think <laughs> says a lot. And finally, Ariel asking about the man in black. So yes, if he was killed by Jacob and they have that conversation on the beach, he's talking to his dead brother to some extent yeah i guess i mean although when he takes Locke's form Locke says he's eating a mango and he says it's the best mango he ever ate that's true he does partake of food as unlocked but he did not i think he turned down the fish when jacob offers it i thought he was i thought he was making fun of him when he offered the fish and that would make sense if he's dead but whatever unlock is can appreciate the taste so um, definitely an interesting thought though very very cool well we got nearly an hour's worth of calls on the lost line lots of great thoughts many first-time callers braving the lost line for the first time i wish we could include it all i mean if we do a hundredth show or something maybe it should be all lost line because i'd really like to hear more of your voices but we do want to get to some of the comments on the blog as i mentioned we had over 600 comments as we sat down to record and uh, that's just about the most comments we've ever had for an episode matt from north dakota writes i'm done they bit off way more than they could chew and ended up giving us pure crap answers like that (laughs) i lost all my faith in the writers Done. I'll read about how it ends and then decide if I want to watch the final episodes. Oh, Matt. Well, how much you want to bet he's still going to watch this week? He will. I'll totally. put money down it. So Baker from Boston says, while it has some good moments, the episode overall fell flat. I liked Alice and Janney. She was subtly creepy and had me always wondering just how crazy she was. And I will always enjoy watching her on my television. I also like that the man in black was never really given a name to begin with. He's been nameless for so long that at this point, any name would be anticlimactic. Yeah, it was a nice touch. But... I didn't like much of anything else. To strip down Jacob, the wise, all-knowing island god Jacob, to a petulant kid whose mommy didn't love him enough, who finally has his very own rules and game to play, that was kind of a lame plot development. Matthew from Montreal writes, I love this episode. I thought it gave many answers, yet it felt like nothing was revealed. Hmm. It was a feeling I liked. We will get answers to lost mysteries, and yet things will remain unclear so that fans can discuss and theorize for many years to come. That's great. I also enjoyed the mix of science and mysticism in this episode. The light can be seen as sort of energy as harnessed by Dharma or the Man in Black's people, or sort of mystical source as described by Mother. Ultimately, this episode showed me that while Jacob and the Man in Black are the players behind the game of Lost, it also showed that they themselves went through similar events of, to the Losties and were at one point pawns. Who didn't think of Jack and Locke when Jacob and the Man in Black are arguing about whether to leave or stay? This episode told a story about 
about the cyclical nature of humanity and that cycle is no different on the island. Stephen and Bathurst wrote on the blog, I am firmly of the opinion that this is one of the best episodes ever in Lost. As the show unfolded and expanded season upon season and we gradually learned about the Jacob and Man in Black context in which our characters are situated, we've been dying for an origin story of Jacob and the Man in Black. Then, here it is near the end game, which to me makes perfect sense and it's brilliant. This was the origin story of Lost. The story begins with a pregnant woman named Claudia arriving on the island from a shipwreck. Everything in our story over six seasons flows from that moment. Therefore, in my opinion, anything we don't understand from before that moment does not matter in this story. All stories begin somewhere, and at that point, you sometimes have to take what there is. And many people seem to resent that this episode did not focus on our Losties. Are you sure? Everything that has happened to those characters in this show is rooted in the events of this episode. The hostility to outsiders, the threat of the smoke monster, the rules, the parent issues, the destruction of Dharma, the manipulation of Jacob. I thought it provided the much-needed backstory to the Losties story. Agrarian History writes, The light now stands confirmed as some sort of unified phenomenon that explains not only what the island is, where the smoke monster came from, and why the candidates must protect the island, but it also unifies the mystical, spiritual element of the show with a science fiction element. Because this light is also the island's electromagnetism, and the electromagnetism is what people with their reasoning have been evidently since Jacob's time been trying to build contraptions in order to harness, and it puts Desmond's ability to withstand the electromagnetism into a new perspective. Absolutely. I, I like that thought, and a lot of people did. Um, Bond from Oregon notes that Desmond may have absorbed the very same light when he turned the fail-safe key. I think that's a safe yeah. assumption, and again, that led us to the consciousness time travel, and um, Maya wrote that basically she thinks or he thinks that will kill Smokey by putting him back into the light, which is only something that Desmond can do. It's but uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, the basic uh, premise that he can go into the light the way that the man in black did without being turned into a pillar of black smoke definitely makes Desmond very important. Sue and Al from Bella Coola, British Columbia, right? We just wanted to say that we loved this episode. It drew us right in from the first moment. Yes, it is near the end of the series, but I have been wondering about the man in black and where he came from for ages. It answered lots of our questions, like where the smoke monster came from. We found out how Jacob became the protector. It was very interesting to see that he did not really want the job. He became a prisoner to the island, just like his brother. All the mythology was wonderful. There's not much time left to bring all the loose ends together. We know that they will leave tons of unanswered questions. We just have to enjoy the ride. Well, I like how she points out that Jacob didn't really want the job. In fact, Mother tells him that, I'm sorry, you just don't have a choice right now. And that becomes a serious hang-up on, on, on Jacob's part, which is, okay, I'm going to make sure these people have a choice because I didn't have that opportunity. Well, Desmond so. didn't want the job he had either. That's very true. So definitely a good observation. Juliet in Portland, Oregon writes, well, hey. hey, yeah, Juliet in Oregon. That's kind cool. of cool. While I don't think that it was one of the best episodes ever, I am pretty pleased with the information that we got. More importantly, it has totally changed my view on where the end of the show might be going. I am now questioning Jacob's The Island is a Cork story and believe that the man in black and Jacob are both needed if light on the island is to be protected. Their mother was both the protector and the smoke monster wrapped in one, but once the twins were born, they split the responsibilities of the job when taking over for her. Man in black is not evil, but maybe if he leaves, the world will lose this light that is an 
all of us. So Jacob needs him to stay. After last night, what I'd really love to see in the finale is the man in black finally leave the island, which is all he's ever wanted, to see his home and where he came from. Once Jacob has his replacement, I think it would be great if man in black moved over to Locke's body in the sideways world and was free. Hmm. Well, that's kind of a scary uh, prospect. I know. I mean, on one hand, like I said, we had the sympathy for the man in black, and we kind of said, well, of course we'd want to go home. But we've also been told that that's the last thing that we all want. I mean, he's vengeful and bitter. And the whole thing about maybe he could go into sideways lock, I kind of like sideways lock. I we, do. So, I, I mean, do I'm too. not sure if I, uh, that would work either. But the, the, the fact that, you know, you had twins so that the job was split in two, that maybe the smoke monster and Jacob were two parts of the mother, and, you know, she separated her job description, I thought that was kind of cool and actually we got a lot of thoughts on the smoke monster ben writes i think jacob's mother was a smoke monster as well this explains how she could have destroyed these people and their village plus completely bury the well and she thanked the man in black when he killed her finally releasing her from that existence if that's the case did the boy in black really see the spirit of his birth mother or was it their adoptive mother who appeared to him in that form perhaps she finally reached the point where she wanted to die and knew jacob would never be able to do it so she passed the protective custody of the island to Jacob and then pretty much pushed the man in black down the path that eventually led to his killing her. Well, so yes, I mean, many people do believe that the smoke monster predated its eruption from the cave, that it was something that was on the island prior to the man in black, you know, being tossed into it. So if you go by that, it does make it more interesting about seeing, you know, Claudia, seeing dead people and we were wondering just earlier how that can be and what it means but maybe it was you know mother as smoke monster um showing the man in black claudia to set him in motion to finally kill her you know put herself out of her misery that's an interesting thought i think you know i thought claudia looked a lot like isabella Mm -hmm. richard's wife and it occurs to me that the smoke monster did something similar i mean he wasn't trying to get himself killed right he was trying to get Jacob killed by manipulating Richard. Right, but I, I see that the, the scenario is similar, and, and I hadn't even thought about the similarities between the female characters. So I mm-hmm. kind of like that observation. Beth in Kansas writes, I don't think the smoke monster was created when Jacob chucked his brother into the glowy wormhole womb. I think it was released. It is the yin to the glowy wormhole womb's yang, <laughs> a force of judgment and protection to balance the force of light and rebirth. I think Mother could call upon this force to destroy the village, just as Ben called upon it to kill the mercenaries. So ultimately, it's not Jacob's brother that wants to escape the island, but the smoke monster. It is currently taking the form of John Locke and even seems to share some of his memories, but is manifestly not Locke. So why shouldn't we doubt that it is not Jacob's brother either? Well, I guess that's a fair thought that uh, the smoke monster is equal to this energy on the island and that it is completely independent of, despite taking the form of, all of these different characters. Mm -hmm. I definitely like that thought. Similarly, Michelle in New York writes, I think Unlock or Christian Shepherd and whatever you want to call him is not Jacob's brother. He is an incarnation of the golden light now taking on Jacob's brother's form. And I see no real reason to believe that the light is a positive force. I think the light as smoke monster does retain some memories and characteristics of the dead he is inhabiting which explains unlocks don't tell me what i can't do and the familiarity of the man in black with jacob and his backstory but as much sympathy as we might feel for the man who was actually jacob's brother or the man who was Locke, the thing in his form is now likely evil and letting it leave the island would be in fact a very bad thing well and i certainly would be in agreement with that at least as far as what we've been told even though not necessarily explained i think the only reason why i'm still stuck on the idea that the smoke 
Blockbuster is essentially the man in black and Jacob's original brother is that they've basically drawn that parallel in terms of how badly he wants to get off the island. The mm-hmm. way that he describes it both um, earlier this season, you know, talking to Jack, and the way that it's described in this episode essentially tells me that uh, the simplest explanation is best. Smoke Monster is the man in black. We mm-hmm. have the origin story with him being and Jacob being brothers, and that's essentially what we've been seeing. But I do like the way folks are thinking, and certainly all of that destruction seemed like Smoke Monster's uh, signature. Well, I got to say, when this episode first aired, we had no idea how to process it, and I have no idea where we'd be without you all, everybody. More than ever, we're grateful for every bit of feedback we get from comments on the blogs, emails, to calls on the Lost Line. And again, it's really a shame that we can only include a small fraction of it in the show. But thank you very much. So this week's episode of Lost is the last one before the series finale, which airs next Sunday. Wow, that is so soon. Absolutely. Um, so we're tweaking our podcast schedule a bit. This week, we'll do a short wave transmission. We're just going to share our initial reactions. We'll skip the recap. We'll just share our thoughts on the episode. We'll also try to include the first few calls to come in on the Lost Line. It will be a short show, and our reaction will probably be horribly incomplete and uninformed, but we do want to share what we can early enough so that we can all sit back and uh, take a deep breath and brace ourselves for the epic Lost Weekend. On Sunday, May 23rd, we'll join the rest of the world in watching the final chapter of our favorite show. And for the series finale, we'll put out another initial reaction shortwave transmission just as soon as we can. But it definitely will not be all there is to be said about that last episode. So we'll gather our thoughts and yours and put together a full show for the following Sunday. That'll be our regular day on May 30th. We'll try to recap the episode, definitely not under eight minutes. We'll look back at the series finale in more detail and share a full serving of your thoughts and reactions in you all, everybody. And that will be our 99th show, which basically just begs for at least one more podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. So maybe we'll look back at season six as a whole or even back at the show as a whole. You know, really what uh, I'd like to do is hear from you, you know, our listeners about the whole Lost experience, everything, what Lost has meant to you. Because I can say, I think Jen and I would say that this show has definitely changed our lives for the better. Mm -hmm. You know, it's cheesy, but it's true. It's responsible for some of the most wonderful friendships that we have today. And I'm sure we're not alone. So we kind of want to give you a chance to talk about that. And we're totally open to your ideas because, frankly, I'm not really ready for this to end. No, me, me too. So if you can think of something else that you want to talk about, we can do that as well. But honestly, though, in the end, all good things must come to an end, and the transmission will as well. Uh, of course, we're not going to be going anywhere. We hope you'll stay in touch on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, hopefully, you'll check out the new podcast we're planning called Pop Spotting. We're going to be talking about music, uh, books, movies, TVs, and hopefully you're going to help tell us What's the best stuff out there worth checking out? We'll be setting up shop over at popspotting.net. For now, though, we still want your feedback for the next two Lost episodes, including the series finale. For our Instant Reaction podcast, The Lost Sign will unfortunately favor East Coast fans and shorter calls, but we would love to hear from everybody. Please come by and share your thoughts on the blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost. Email us at lost at hawaiiup.com or call and leave a message on 
on the Lost Line at 815-310-0808. Now, uh, speaking of the Lost fan community and the friends that we've made, I, I did actually want to, to do a little extra thing here. I wanted to mention that we got a sweet recording from some of our colleagues on the Lost Podcasting Network. Made me sob It like was a very girl. touching, and it was awesome to hear their voices, and I want you to hear them as well. They sent it for us to share. Even though it seems a little indulgent to share something about us and for us, um, they made it to share, so I'm more than happy to, So, uh, especially for all that they've done for the Lost community as well. So I'm going to stick that at the very end of this podcast if you want to check it out. I did want to mention that. Now, coming up in about four minutes, we will have the Ford Cabin. But first, once again, a musical treat from the Others Lost Band. This is their latest track based on The Candidate, and it's titled Never Leave You. I think you may be a candidate, Mr. Locke, for a new procedure that could help you to walk again. I could fix you. Thanks, Doc, but no thanks. Bernard's his dentist. Go see what he knows about John's accident. Remember him? You were flirting with Rose. You were all on. Oceanic Flight 815 And Jack, I hope you find what you're looking for Welcome to Hydra Island Get back in your cage Smokey doesn't need you, kid Your name was crossed off in a cave Jack will help you But he's still not getting on the plane She gives him back his ring John gets to a Jira But the plane is rigged with four bricks of C4 I guess we'll take the submarine Just make sure that Smokey doesn't get on So he pulls the wires out 
was Never Leave You, the latest song from the Others Lost Band based on the episode The Candidate. I really liked it. There's just sort of that melancholy kind of swelling orchestrations definitely fitting it for this It sounds last like season. a track off of Pet Sounds. The, the Beach Boys, the, mm-hmm. one of their ballads, definitely. But definitely a nice sound. The, the Others Lost Band are a great group out of Boston. They write a song based on every new episode of Lost. If you want to find out more, hear more of their music, you can go to theotherslostband.com. And, of course, we'll have the link for you in our show notes on the blog. Coming up next on Lost, the 16th episode of Season 6 is titled What They Died For. And the synopsis reads, While Locke devises a new strategy, Jack's group searches for death. Desmond. Well, there you go. Um, the cast list for this episode includes some familiar names, including Michelle Rodriguez as <laughs> Anna Lucia and Mira Furlan as Daniel Rousseau. Squeak! There's even a little character named, uh, played by someone named Ashley Kiker, which I thought was interesting because um, Rob, Rob Kiker, Kiker yeah. yeah, the the prop guy on Lost, maybe a, a daughter or a wife um, got on the show. That's pretty cool. Now, if you want to hear more about this upcoming episode, I can let you know that we had our filming reports for it in our March 21st and March 20. 8th podcast and those included scenes that do finally catch us up with Ben, Richard, and Miles. We've been wondering where they've been off to. Now, they actually screened this episode as part of a huge Lost Live event at UCLA's Royce Hall this past Thursday and uh, we actually got a great report from listener Kim, so I thought we'd kind of use her report here in the forward cabin. There were over 1,800 people there. Now, no cameras were allowed. They were dead serious about that. In fact, they were using night vision goggles to catch folks and one of the people that were busted included Carlton's daughter so really? you know they they, they, <laughs> they didn't make exceptions for anybody now uh, they started with a performance of selections from Giacchino score Michael Giacchino was there and they played the music live and of course that we've we've experienced ourselves definitely it's a an very amazing, special thing. thing and they also did the actor readings for messages in a bottle like they did here as well apparently Michael Emerson killed with his as you would expect and as for the episode itself here's kim's uh, spoiler free preview it will be viewed as one of the top episodes of the series amazing 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 episode and very satisfying it should calm those who had issues with across the sea adam horowitz introduced it as lost's comic episode and he wasn't kidding the audience was rolling with laughter interspersed with many omgs wtfs oz oh no's and teary bits the comedy was introduced in the rhythm of how the coincidences were revealed and there were many the deadpan deliveries of dialogue many winks and nods to the fans and a multitude of soon-to-be classic lost lines the pacing of the episode was perfect and the characters many in fact when a certain character was shown on screen it elicited a collective groan from the audience, eventually followed by outright cheering. I'll say no more. The episode ended in an anticipatory, here we go, this is actually going to happen mode. It was a wild and highly enjoyable ride. So there you go, Kim's take. What do you think? I don't think I want it to be funny. <laughs> well, that is true. It's uh, If it's lost comic, sep- comic episode, that's also an interesting placement for it. But we can't prejudge. We'll see what we see when it comes on on Tuesday. I should mention that Kim was also lucky enough to attend the VIP party. There were special Dharma water bottles, hieroglyphic wristbands, and lays. And she hung out with Eddie Kitsis and Jack Bender. Uh, that party ran until 2.30 in the morning. And she said that Jeremy Davies and Emily DeRaven stayed till the end. So. Cool. I guess they're the party animals in the cast. And Kim was actually also invited to tour the Lost production offices at Building 23 at the Disney Studios the very next day. In fact, she even got to spend some time with one of my geek idols, 
Greg Nations. And she says that she's going to be going to the New York Times talk on Thursday in New York. That's actually where it's going to be and broadcast live to theaters all across the country. Although, unfortunately, it's not going to be live uh, on the West Coast or here in Hawaii. But in any case, if you've got it in your town, you should definitely check it out. And I do want to thank Kim, a very, very lucky fan and listener to this podcast. Uh, She did provide some great filming reports when she was just here on the island a few weeks ago. It's hard to believe that the second to the last episode of Lost has already been seen, and we're now a week away from the end. Um, with, With that, though, I guess that means that this is the end of the forward cabin, and so that means that's it for this episode of The Transmission. This show is powered by you all, everybody, so please be sure to join the conversation on the blog on Tuesday night after the episode. Comment there, share your thoughts with everybody, or you can leave a brief message on the Lost Line. As always, we're glad to connect and chat with you on Twitter. I'm at Hawaii. And I'm at Mrs. Hawaii. And you can also look us up on Facebook. Just be sure to let us know that you're part of the Transmission Ohana. Well, as Kim said, here we go. This is actually going to happen. Uh, Hold me tight. I'm glad you're there to join us in this ride. Stay lost, everybody. Aloha. Aloha. This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com. Hello, Ryan and Jen. This is Donald from Donald is Lost. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Jed. And this is Kara. From the Losties with Jed and Kara. Hi, this is Miss Wendy of the Lost Revisited Now podcast. Hello, Ryan and Jen. This is Matt. And Leslie from Keys to Lost podcast. Ryan and Jen of the Transmission. This is Axel from the Lost Mythos Theory cast. Ryan and Jen, this is Anna in Indiana from the Jacob's Cabin Lost podcast. Hello, Ryan and Jen. It's Heath Solo from the Lost Revisited Now podcast. Just want to give you guys a thank you for all you've done. Thank you for every podcast, every email, every tweet, every blog post, every blog comment. Every smile, every flicker picture. And we wanted to thank you for paving the way for husband and wife podcasters like us. Most importantly, though, we want to say thank you for the Lost Podcasting Network and for allowing us to be a part of it. What can I say about Ryan and Jen? Can I say that you're kind, hardworking, dedicated, accommodating, (laughs) fun-loving, intelligent, entertaining, all around wonderful. Thank you for encouraging us all to use social media, to use podcasting, and to use Twitter. I don't know that I would have gotten into any of that if it hadn't been for you guys. As season six draws to a close, we just wanted to take an opportunity to thank you for the exposure you have afforded our podcast via the Lost Podcasting Network. Without your personal support and this network, we would never have had the scope of interaction we've enjoyed with a huge number of fellow Lost fans. And on behalf of myself, my co-host Aaron, and Mike... 
and we'll throw Len, the hurricane of feedback in there. He's part of our team. We just want to thank you guys for all the hard work and dedication you've put into not only bringing us the best Lost Podcast in the history of Lost Podcasting, but also, Ryan, for keeping up the, the LPN and helping new people, even in these last weeks of Lost, get on there and find an audience. You guys are the godmother, godfather of the Lost community. You're one of the nicest people of all time, well-respected, just great human beings, and thank you for creating the LPN. You guys have always been there. You have been the constants for the lost community. Honestly, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, Ryan and Jen. And as always, stay stay lost. lost. We appreciate everything that you've done, and we look forward to listening to whatever comes next from Ryan and Jen. You guys rock. Thank you so much. Influence on me and an amazing presence in the Lost community at large. So thank you for everything that you guys do. You are both truly very special to me. Mahalo, Ryan, and Jen. And on that note, we just want to wish both of you all the best. And again, thank you so much for all that you do. And stay Stay lost. lost. Gonna miss the transmission when it's gone. So we love you guys, and uh, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Hope to meet you guys in the near future. Namaste and aloha. And for that, we say thank you.